Well, good morning, everyone. Once again, welcome to Chatham Community Church. I'm so glad to see you here this morning. My name is Jaime. I'm one of the pastors here, uh, and I'm glad that y'all are here this morning. Uh, and uh, if you are a guest, whether it's your first time or whether you were here last week or one of the other weeks that I happen to have not been here and we've not met, I'd love to say hi to you at the end of the service. So I'm going to be under the exit, uh, emergency exit light there in the back. Come say hi. I'd love to hear your name, a little bit about how you ended up in Chatham County how you ended up at Chatham Community Church, and what your experience was like this morning, and hopefully give you one of our welcome gifts. Uh, I just got back from vacation last, uh, that I took, uh, not this past week, the week before, and so thank you all for um, the prayers and the uh, sort of encouragement and the support as I took that time off, and for those of you who were here last week who came out in droves to support Ernie Lane, who uh, had the opportunity to preach here last week. Ernie is a homegrown product, I'm going to call him. Uh, he's been a member of our church for a number of years and has been discerning God's invitation uh, to him in life, and part of that he wanted to develop some preaching skills, and um, uh, I'm grateful for the support y'all offered him as he preached last week. I listened to it. I thought he did a great job, and the feedback I've gotten from many of you is, is, is in a similar vein. So I'm excited for what God is doing in his life, and I'm glad that he had y'all here uh, last week to support him. Uh, speaking of vacation, I want to ask you a question. When you go on vacation, what type of vacation planner are you, if you're a vacation planner at all? Um, how much do you plan before you go on vacation, and even as you're on vacation? Some people can't go on vacation without a minute-by-minute -minute itinerary, uh, both in the days leading up and on the trip itself, and they have uh, itemized checklists for everything from what to pack to what places to go to what experiences to have in said places to even make sure that particular souvenirs are purchased for particular people. Are you that type of vacation planner or are you headed in that direction? Some of you are laughing, and I have a good friend that says level of laughter, level of guilt. So maybe you're laughing on your behalf or on the behalf of the person sitting next to you. Uh, I don't know. But perhaps you're on the other extreme of the vacation planning, uh, which, can be, which can be summarized at somewhere along the lines of, we'll see where the road takes us. Maybe you're that kind of vacation planner. And if you are on one extreme and the person who you take vacations with is on the other extreme of vacation planning, I have no idea how vacations are actually vacations for you. Because that sounds like a pretty stressful situation, but I'm sure y'all make it work. Uh, I'm normally close to the middle, but I tend to be on the planning side. So middle, but on the planning side. Uh, but that's not been the case, actually, in the last couple of vacations I've taken, actually, in the last couple of vacations, I've been very much on the, we'll see where the road takes us side. It's to the point that this time around, when I went on vacation, I was deep into my vacation. I was already away. I was already staying with people. And there were still two nights where I didn't know where I was going to stay, which is very, very, very odd for me. Uh, the last couple of vacations I've taken have been mostly to visit friends, and I've been staying with people that I know and love. And uh, as I've, I've been taking these vacations, I've noticed that my sort of venture into the non-planning side of vacation has caused a little bit of stress for some of the friends I've gone to visit. Uh, more than once after I've arrived at their place and we've sort of caught up a little bit and settled in, I've noticed that they start to have kind of nervous energy conversations with me. And, and they start saying things like, 
well, you know, th- th- there's this thing nearby and this thing is open tomorrow and we can go here and we can go over there if you like and, and we can show you this thing if you like. And they're all nervous as they're sharing these. There's some anxiety. Uh, and, you know, my friends uh, are, most of them work. Uh, most of them have families with young kids. They have lives. They have plenty of stuff going on and they're not taking days off while I'm visiting. And so as I was receiving this nervous energy, I came to the realization that I was causing them some stress. So uh, I would say something along the lines of, listen, I'm here to visit you, to stay with you, to see you. And I'm happy with you including me in whatever it is you were already planning on doing during these days, even if that's just staying in, having dinner or having lunch and just hanging out. I, I probably provoked this stress because the only thing they'd heard from me as I was planning or as I was getting ready to go on vacation was, hey, I'm on vacation next week. Can I stay with you for a couple of days? And so I arrived in their homes and they had no sense of what to expect. They had no idea what I was coming to do. They could have used a sense of why I was coming, what my purpose was in the visit. See, our experience of things changes when we have a sense of the purpose, when we have an idea of what the why is behind whatever this is, whether it's the vacation, it applies in school, in education, in work, in meetings, some of which could have been emails, in gatherings with people. When we have a sense of purpose, when we have a sense of the why, whether in our own lives or in the experiences we are participating in is in uh, our experience of those things changes because we have a sense of what to expect and we have a sense of what to approach. People come to church for all sorts of reasons. There are all sorts of whys and purposes behind why people come to church. Take a moment and consider, why did you start coming to church? Why did you visit this church? Why have you continued coming if you've been here for a while? I'm sure if we polled the room, there would be all sorts of different reasons, and maybe those reasons have changed along the way as you've continued coming. It may not surprise you then to know that just as there are many reasons for people coming to church, there's also a reason for the church being here. There is reason, there is a why, there is a purpose behind the existence, the very existence of something called church, and there is a reason or a purpose for Chatham Community Church being here in Chatham County, and specifically here in Pittsburgh. Uh, We we talked earlier about our fall kickoff, and that tends to be the start of sort of our our new year, our our year at Chatham Community Church. And in the two weeks leading up to that, we want to talk about the why behind church, and specifically the why behind Chatham Community Church. Why are we here? Perhaps answering this question might help you get a stronger sense of whether, whether or not this is the type of church God is calling you to be part of. But there are answers to the question, why is there a church to start with, and why is Chatham Community Church here? What is Chatham Community Church here for? 
And to start that, we're going to dig into Scripture. So we're going to look at an early promise found in the Bible, actually found in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. So if you have to have a Bible with you, we're going to be in Genesis chapter 12. We're going to read the first three verses of Genesis. If you don't have a Bible, don't have access to a Bible, uh, don't worry about it because we're going to put it on the screen. But if you don't happen to own a Bible and would like one, I'd be glad to give you one at the end of the service, so come talk to me. We're going to read the first three verses. This is a promise in Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 1, 2, 3. And I know that every time we read Scripture here, you're paying attention, you're, you're, you're focused, you're honed in, but I'm going to invite you today to, play, to pay special attention, to pay close attention, because after I read these verses, I'm going to ask you two questions. Pay close attention. There are no prizes and there are no consequences for not getting the answers right, but try to pay close attention and let's see if we can get some participation here. Here we go, Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. Now, as you listen to those verses, who seems to be the primary agent, the primary actor, the driver of action in that passage. Yes, the Lord, God. Uh, In the passage, seven actions are attributed to God if we count the Lord said, his speaking. So seven things in three verses are attributed to him. That's great. Now, aside from God being the primary actor or the primary agent, what what is the primary concept being spoken about in those three verses. What is the primary concern of those three verses? What was that? Blessing. Yes. The primary actor in this passage is God, and the primary concern of this passage is blessing. Here's all the times blessing shows up. God says to Abram, I will bless you. God will bless Abram. And he says to Abram, you will be a blessing. He says, I will bless those who bless you. And he ends it by saying, and all peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. God's promise, which is, which, is, which, is, which is seeded throughout with the concept of blessing, God blessing, people being blessing, people being blessed because they bless, culminates in this idea that God wants to bless the entire world. The idea of bringing about good to every person, to every people, is at the heart of what God is doing in us and in our world. And that's important to know because if we want to talk about purpose, if we want to talk about the why of anything that's connected to God, we have to start with what's at the core of God's heart. Our purpose, whatever it may be, is rooted in God's desire that all would be blessed. Any idea, any, any, quantif- any, any, any articulation of purpose that has anything to do with God is rooted, or should be rooted, in God's desire that all will be blessed. Our purpose as individuals is rooted in this idea, in God's desire, that all would be blessed. Our purpose as a community, or as the communities that we gather ourselves in is rooted in this idea that all will be blessed. The purpose of the church globally throughout history and of individual churches locally is rooted 
in this idea that God desires all will be blessed. And that's true, even though the actions of churches throughout history may not have always reflected that. May not have always been able to draw a short, straight line. And the purpose of Chatham Community Church in Chatham County, and now specifically here in Pittsburgh, is rooted in this idea that God's desire is that all people will be blessed. That desire that all people would be blessed would have made God distinct from the other gods that were worshipped during that time. Most of those gods were territorial. Their idea of blessing or the concept that people had around those gods bringing good was circumscribed to a particular geographic region. And oftentimes their desire wasn't necessarily centered on blessing others, but was centered on them acquiring or getting what they needed. It was about benefiting those gods. Those gods. But the Lord God, his dream as he created this world, as he created humanity in it, His intent includes the flourishing, includes blessing, includes good for his creation, for this world and for all of humanity in it. Blessing can take some very specific forms, right? There are many things we can talk about when we talk about blessing, and many of them are situational, right? The blessing I need in a particular moment might look different than the blessing I need at another particular moment. There are many things that we could gather under the umbrella of blessing. But let me give a broad definition, a broad definition of what blessing is at its core. When we talk about God's desire to bless all nations, that blessing is found in relationship to him. And we believe that is through Jesus. It's found in community with others, and it's found in doing good. Doing good work, doing good things, bringing about good to the people and places he calls us to. All the blessing, all the situational blessings, all the particular blessings, all the specific blessings that we can talk about find their origin in this global definition of what blessing is when it, be, when it comes to God. It's all connected to being in relationship to him. It's all connected to being in community with others. It's all connected to doing good and bringing about good in the places he calls us to. So as you think about that idea of God's blessing, you think about those three categories. Are there any parts of blessing that you're missing out on? Are there any parts of what it means to be blessed by God, to live the blessed life that you're missing out on? Perhaps you're missing out on relationship with him. I have great news. We can take care of that today. Today you can make a decision to be in relationship with God through Jesus Christ. You can do that. Perhaps you feel isolated and have been missing out on community. Perhaps you've been here for a long time and are still missing out on community. I'm so sorry that's been the case. We will work hard to remedy that. You don't have to miss out on community, on deep, meaningful relationship. Perhaps you're missing out on understanding or knowing or even caring or wanting to do good to the people and places God has called you to or the places he's put you in. We can talk and we can take an opportunity to explore what that might look like in your life. And you can get some of that flourishing, some of that blessing that comes. Let me ask you another question. As you think about how you have envisioned your purpose, maybe you've never envisioned your purpose, but, but think about the things you do. Think about the actions you take. Think about the, the, the direction your life has because that speaks to a purpose. 
That speaks to a purpose. You may never have quantified it. You may never have articulated it, but it speaks to a purpose. As you think about your life, can you draw short, straight lines from the direction of your life to these three things? To the blessing of people, to the connecting them to God, to community, to doing good. How much can you connect your life to God's desire that all will be blessed? Perhaps you've never thought about it. Today's a good day to think about it. God gives this promise to Abram, this man, Abram. But all who follow God, all who followed God since and all who follow God today and all who follow who will follow God throughout whatever's left of history are inheritors of that promise. We stand in that promise. You and I here in Chatham County are inheritors of that promise and anyone who's listening to the recording in the future from wherever you are, wherever you are, You are an inheritor of that promise. You are part, we are part of of God's work to bless all the peoples of the earth. So what does that look like? What does it look to be part of fulfilling God's desire that all people will be blessed? Well, I want to give you three images to consider on what it looks like to be part of God's desire to bless all peoples. We, as people who are participating in God's desire to bless all people, are funnels. We are conduits. And I realize that what's on the screen is not a funnel, but it is a funnel cake, so that should count for something. The images I could find for funnels were just too limited because they had something large becoming something small, and I like this idea of uh, sifting the sugar because it took something that could clump and conglomerate in one space and made sure it got spread all over, right? And make sure every part of that delicious funnel cake uh, becomes even more delicious by having sugar poured on it. Uh, If you're a dentist here, please don't hate me. (laughs) There is certainly job security. (laughs) Right? God's promise is that we will be blessed, and with that blessing, we will bless others. With that blessing that we receive from God, and in this image, the blessing is sugar, and kids that are here are like, absolutely, the blessing is sugar. But the promise is that we will be a blessing to others. God gives us, he promises that we will, he will give us what we need, what we need in order to flourish, what we need in order to thrive, what we need in order to just experience life to the fullest. And he gives it to us so that we can enjoy it, so that we can enjoy it and we can have a sense of his love and of his favor for us. But in addition to that, he gives it to us so that we can bless the people he calls us to bless, so that we can pass that on. I had a friend who used to talk about God's blessing as receiving fruit in a picnic basket. And he said, if you just gather all that fruit in a picnic basket and keep it to yourself, the fruit will rot. But if you take all that fruit that's gathered in that picnic basket and walk around and hand someone an apple and hand someone a banana and hand someone an orange and hand someone something else, some strawberries, then everyone gets to enjoy Everyone gets to enjoy the blessing, and none of it rots. None of it goes bad. So as you think about the ways you've been blessed over the course of your life, even the blessings you're experiencing right now, does it feel like the blessings are all clumped together? You're holding on to them. Maybe you're even keeping them to yourself. Or have you taken the opportunity to make sure that those blessings then spread out to others? that other people have the experience of, 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 of knowing and having some of the blessing of God? Do we leave our blessings in a clump? 
but that we serve as a funnel and a conduit to others. The second image I want to give us is the image of a signpost. That's how, the second image of how we participate in God's desire to bless all peoples. The lives we live, the way we carry ourselves, the action we take can point to something. They, in fact, they do. They point to something. The question is whether they point to God, God's desire, and God's purpose, or they point to something else. What does your life point to? When people look at your life and how you carry yourself, what do they see? What does it point to? Who does it point to? Does it point to the way home? Does it point to the way to God? Later on in this passage, Abram goes. He follows this promise. He goes to the land God shows him. And as he's exploring the land, every place he stops, he sets up a place, sets up a a sort of a station so that he can worship God. Part of what that does is that for the inhabitants of that land, whenever they come across this new altar, this new worship space, they will get a sense, oh, there's a new God in the land. They will get a sense that there's an alternative. They may not know what it is yet, but they will get a sense that there's an alternative to the gods that they've been following and the lives that they've been living, that there is something different for them to consider. As people look at your life, as people look at my life, do they get a sense that perhaps there is something else to consider? Now, I realize that our lives look very similar in many ways to people who aren't following Jesus. There are many things that we do day to day that are the same for all of us, but it's in those moments where they're different. It's in those moments where we might respond in a different way or react in a different way where we can become signposts to God. I notice that I say signposts and not megaphones. It's not about blaring it out or or standing with a bullhorn and saying, well, I'm this way and my life is good because I follow God and yours is not because you don't. No. It's not about that. Now, we answer questions when people ask, but it's about living in a particular way that that inspires people's curiosity. That inspires people's curiosity. I caught some of that this week. I'm subscribed to one of the local mailing lists, one of the local emailing lists. And in this emailing list, lots of conversations happen. Businesses come up, people ask for recommendations, and then people give recommendations, and people comment on the recommendations of businesses. Uh, and this particular week, uh, they were asking for a particular type of business. And, and, and one by one, recommendations started coming in for this one particular business. And they started to say things like, yeah, man, that company, man, they, they just work for excellence. They do such quality work. They're thorough. The employees are so polite. They've kept coming back and back to make sure the work is done well. And the person said, and I'm sure that by this point, it's costing them more than what I paid. But they're doing it with so much gladness. They just keep coming out and coming out and coming out. See, they're noticing, right? Now, that's how every business should operate, but something about how this business is operating is drawing their attention. Now, I know that that business is owned by someone in our church, and I know that they took on that business with a desire to run it in a way that pointed people to God. And these people commenting on this email list are catching that. They don't know what it's pointing to yet, but they know that it's pointing to something that they should pay attention to. What is your life pointing to? In those critical, crucial moments, is it pointing to God? Or is it pointing to just the way that everyone else goes? We can be signposts. We can point people towards God. Signposts point 
to the idea that there's something different in another direction. Now, sometimes we're called to play a more active role in people's lives than just signposts. Sometimes we're called to be guides. And that's a third image I want to leave with you. And I like this image that's on the screen because um, I envision that any one of those could happen to be the guide at the particular moment or that the guide could be in any particular position on that sort of trajectory. The guide could be up front, charting the path. The guide could be leading, right, telling people where to go. The guide could have carried some of the burden as people got tired and made sure that they could keep going on. The guide could walk alongside and get to know the people who are on the journey with her or with him. The guide can walk behind and encourage people to take the next step and the next step after that. There are times and seasons, there are relationships in our lives where, where the way we bless the people God has given us to bless is by being guides. By not just pointing the direction to the, to the good life, to the life with God, to the life with community, to the life of doing good, but we actually walk along with them. We actually help them along the way. We actually make sure they find their way home. One of my heroes is a man named Brian Widbin. Dr. Widbin was a professor of mine in grad school, and he really lives into this image of being a guide, quite literally. He is one of the few, if not only, Westerners who is a certified tour guide by the Israeli government, right? He's not hired by foreign tour companies. He is, uh, he is a tour guide from the Israeli government. And so he quite literally is a guide to people through trips in, uh, in Jerusalem and surrounding areas. And if you can look closely to that picture, though, you may not notice this. Lots of the people have recording devices pointed at Dr. Widbin. And the reason is because Dr. Widbin doesn't just show people places. He talks about meaning. He talks about significance. He talks about the importance of the experience in those places and the historic uh, stories that were told there, the spiritual significance that they have. People want to cling to every word because in the words that he's showing, he's not just pointing people in a direction. He is showing them how to get there. Few people go on these trips and don't come back saying, my life was changed. Dr. Woodman serves as a guide not just to locations, but as a guide to life. It's true also in the classroom, as I took classes with him. Dr. Woodman would come alongside. Dr. Woodman would show us the way. Dr. Woodman would encourage us along the path. Dr. Woodman would carry our burdens. Dr. Woodman would weep with us uh, when weeping needed to happen. He was a guide to me and to many of us. He's one of the few people that I would call a hero in my life. So as you think of the people in your life, people God is giving you to bless, is there someone who needs you to be a guide? Someone who needs you to chart a path for them to get through something. Someone who needs you to lead the way and say, follow me, this is where we need to go for your good. Someone who needs you to carry a burden. Someone who needs you to encourage them. Someone who needs you to come alongside and simply be in relationship with them towards a good life. Who might need you to be a guide? Would you be that for them this week? These three images are helpful for us as individuals to get a sense of the role we play in partnering with God and his desire to see all peoples blessed. But they are also true for us as a church. Chatham Community Church is here to be a funnel, 
to make sure the people in Chatham County are blessed, that we funnel blessings towards them. That's part of the reason why we do the back-to-school supply drive. It's part of the reason why we've been distributing food for Corey. We want to make sure people experience blessing. We're here to be a signpost to God and his purpose, right? Not just the fact that there's a place here to worship God on Sunday mornings, but I always remember people who've come to this church and have said, I saw one of the ramps you built during Chatham, during, and what they're talking about is our Chatham service projects where we build uh, access ramps for people who need them in their homes. And, and they said, I knew that was a place I needed to check out. Things that we do in this county serve as signposts that there's a God that wants to bless this county and these towns. And we're here to be guides to those that need it, to those who are asking questions about what it means to live a good life, a life of purpose, a life of fulfillment. We are here in Chatham County and here in Pittsburgh for the sake of God's desire to bless Chatham County and to bless Pittsburgh. We are here for Chatham. We are here for Chatham so that all will be blessed. Now, I want to I remind you, when we talked about the passage earlier, we noticed that God was the primary agent. He did the most things in the passage. But there is one thing that Abram is invited to do. There is one thing that Abram that's invited to do in the passage. And it's an invitation, right? Just as we are inheritors of the promise, we are inheritors of the invitation. The invitation to Abram in that passage. The, only, the thing he's invited to do to participate in that promise is to go is to go. Here's what it looked like for Abram. For Abram is to go from your country, from your people, from your father's household to the land that I will show you. Now, let me translate that for us because many of us aren't going to be invited to leave our country and our people and our father's household. But basically what he's being told is leave the familiar, leave the comfortable, leave the safe. To step into the unknown. God promises that he'll have what he needs if he does that. But he's got to take that step. He's got to trust that God is going to deliver. He's got to go. And the theme of going for the sake of blessing others carries throughout Scripture. In fact, it finds its fulfillment in Jesus. One of the things we're told about Jesus is that Jesus did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but he descended, he made himself into a servant, right? He incarnated, he became a man and walked like you and I across the earth, gave his life, performed miracles, taught, died on the cross, and was resurrected for the sake of blessing everyone that we would be reconciled to God. And though our call is not exactly the same as Jesus, we too are invited to go. This is the invitation Jesus gives to his first disciples and he extends it to us. Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you and surely I am with you always to the ends of the very age. The invitation is to go to go, to leave comfortable, familiar, and safe situations, to step into the places where blessing is needed. God has placed us in these places where we're at so that we can go to the places that need his blessing. So this week, this week, the invitation I'm going to extend to you is to go, to go from the safe, from the comfortable, from the familiar, to the places that need you to be, the places and people that need you to be a funnel. I need you to be a signpost that need you to be a guide. Go to the places and people God wants you to bless. Going can be costly. 
going can be scary. Over the course of my life, I've had to go a few times, and it has been costly and it has been scary. It was costly and scary when I had to go from my homeland in Puerto Rico and leave for the sake of God's invitation to New York. It was costly and scary when I had to leave the familiar life I had built in New York, the career I had developed, the relationships I had sort of built up and established for the sake of coming here. But every time it felt like God was inviting and it was time to go. Now, it may sound like I'm an expert at go. I'd say I'm pretty good at catching the big ones. But I'm really not good at the small ones. There's a reason why this is the first location I've been at where I know the names of my neighbors. Because God called me to places, and when I was established, I didn't go past the safety, security, and the comfort of my home to meet the people around me. But here, I'm trying to follow God's invitation to go. Because God has placed me here to bless the people around me, too, to funnel, to signpost, and to guide. I don't know what the go invitation is for you. Maybe it's a big one. Maybe it's a small one like the ones I'm struggling with, or seemingly small one. But whatever it is, would you commit with me? Let's go. Let's go this week because God has placed us here to be part of fulfilling his desire that everyone in Chatham County, everyone in Pittsburgh, everyone in Siler City, everyone in Chapel Hill, everyone in Cary, wherever it is that you live, work, or play, experience his blessing, the connection with him, the life and community, the doing good. Would you join me in going? I'm gonna invite the worship team to join me on stage. and I'm gonna pray for us. I'm gonna pray that all of us this week go to the places and people God wants us to bless. Let me pray. God, I'm grateful that you left the familiar, the comfortable, the safe in Jesus so that we could be connected to God, so that we could experience blessing. Lord, I know it's hard. It's hard for me to go. It's hard for me to go to neighbors. It's hard for me to go to people who are local, God. Lord, would you increase my trust in you? my faith that you'll provide what I need so that I would go. Lord, I pray on behalf of my sisters and brothers here. I don't know what their invitation to go is like, what it looks like this week, but I know it's there. I know it's there because I know you've placed each of us here so that we would be part of your work in blessing every single person here in Chatham County and beyond. Lord, call us and may we respond. In Jesus' name, amen.